Today's guest is Mike Lynch, an accomplished financial planner with Barnum Financial Group. He's an author of two books about the industry, a leader to many in our world, and a good friend. I'm excited to talk with Mike about the business of personal finance. I hope you enjoy. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right. Let's welcome Mike Lynch to the show here today. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, Paul. Great to be here with you. Same. And uh, it's nice to see you. You, uh, you know, I know you're in Florida part of the time now, but you don't have a sunburn, which I'm impressed. Well, we wear hats now. I had to actually work at it. I mean, it's like, we'll say it's good to be seen as I have a medical yes. client says. It's very good to be seen. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, I have to do the hat thing and I'm more careful than ever. And we're both, you know, have problems with our hair here, but I think we look better with no hair. Well, what I had to do, Tasha's doctor told her she had to spend 15 minutes outside and in the sun. And uh, <laughs> so she said, baby, you need to do that too. So when I go get my steps, sometimes I just don't take a hat and then I get the dome a little bit. Yeah. Be get careful. the dome a little bit. Be tanned, careful. Yeah. Well, welcome again. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to spend this time with you and Mike, you know, it's been 20 years in the business. You've accomplished a ton. I remember our first time meeting and I'd love you to, you know, it was a career change for you, mm -hmm. which is very yep. different from a lot of advisors come in right out of school, let's say, but career change. And, you know, tell me where your mindset was when you were making this move to go into financial services. The industry is very different then. Yes. And tell me what you were thinking and, uh, you know, from the start. Well, I, I was, had been a successful writer. And uh, I had found myself in suburbia writing from home and I hated that. And I kind of been there, done that. And so I said, you know, I'm gonna go do something else. And I always loved personal finance. Always loved personal finance. I covered the Roth IRAs, I covered the bills. I had had a personal finance column when I was a writer and a commentator. And so I said, that's what I'm gonna go do. So that was it. And, you know, I was good with personal finance, which is why I liked it. And when I bought my house and I had a baby, I said, I bought it on, you know, one and a half income, not then buy, I didn't overbuy because I figured one of us would want a career change, either my then wife or me. And it turned out to be me and it was great. So I was able to take a career where I could write at that time for a hundred bucks an hour. And I took, and I exchanged that for $650 a week for 13 weeks and nothing after that. Yeah. Which is amazing. Similar yeah. to what I did, but tell me like, where was your mindset? Like you're getting ready to start now. So I know why you did it. So what'd you do? Like, How'd you get rolling? What was some of the stress points? You know, I feel like when I look at the business, knowing you and your practice, you know, you blocked and tackled way better than anyone in the beginning of your career. And you've carried that into it 20 years later. But tell me where you were. So I, I've had a lot of advantages. So, the, you know, there's no hero story here. I had it and I do have, as you know, a tremendous work ethic. And I picked something I liked, which means it's easy to work at it. Yep. You know, before I came into business, I passed the series seven in two and a half hours. They told me it wasn't done. I said, I'm done. She said, it can't be done. I said, I'm done. She said, it can't be done. I said, hit the button. I'm done. <laughs> right? Like I was done. And you know, look, I'm not a big test taker. So I'm not some genius. So my SAT probably wouldn't even get me into, you know, I don't know, the mid-level state school these days. But um, so it's not that. It's just I work, I work, I work. So before I got into business, I'd read every single Nick Murray book. I already had a philosophy. I want to be a financial planner. I knew what I was doing. 
My first client came in. No one ever asked me my age. I was 32. I charged my first client a fee. And that was that. And I just gave advice because I was confident. I could write. I could speak. I could present. I could do yep. radio shows. And I was passionate about it. And I wasn't that worried about the money. I figured I'd make, you know, 30000 in the first year. I could pay my bills. So I remember you laugh. So you always want to put a little pressure on yourself when you're gone. So at those days, I was good for a 30-pack a week, right? <laughs> beer, beer. And I like Coors Light. That's my beer. To this day, that's my beer. And I'm just, I'm ashamed about that. I'm sad about it. No, you can have your IPA. Look, I live in the city. I had micro brews before y'all even knew about on the East Coast because I'm from the Bay Area in California, right? You're not going to tell me about that stuff, but give me my silver bullet. And so I was good for a 30-pack. A 30-pack, of course, at that time was like $19.99 a 30-pack. And because I figured I'd be broke, I went to Miller Cans, and that was $9.99. <laughs> so I said, I got to make enough money to get back to my course, baby. Get back to my course. And so it all worked out very well. I did better than I thought it would, would be my first year. And, and, you know, I still have my first client. I still have that first client. I charge a fee, too. So it's a wonderful, wonderful business. You know, the other thing is I trusted leadership. So you have to trust leadership. I mean, I was fortunate. I had skills to cold call and get meetings. And so I interviewed financial planners and insurance people and brokers. And so I figured the business out. And at the end of the day, the advice was, there's two good places that would train you to be a financial planner. Go there, get trained, the best training. Don't sell the house product. Certainly don't sell the house product to your family. Just direct advice by more than one person and get out in the air. And it was six months I came to you. And when I came to this place, you know, I saw the future. I said, this is fantastic. I never would have thought I would come to an insurance-based uh, uh, place. You know that. You know my personality. Yep. But we sat in your office and you're like, Mike, you have like 49, 529 plans you can use. We had open architecture. Even back then we had open. My life was unbelievable. Now, ironically, it was great insurance. So I ended up not using a lot of the other insurances because MetLife was such a fantastic manufacturer back in those days, but we could do whatever we wanted. And, and so, yeah, it was just great. It was just, been, it's just been fantastic. And from day one at this place, it's been fantastic. Well, thank you. And uh, it's very interesting. And I feel the same way about us meeting up. But when I think about that, you know, you talk about our industry and open architecture and I give you a lot of credit. I, I never knew the Nick Murray story that you read them all before you came. Like, how did you find Nick? Well, I read. So I go to the trades. I read all the trades. I still read all the trades. Look, I get Financial Advisor Magazine. I read it in the night. I sit in my chair. I pop a couple of vodkas and that's that, right? I, that's what I did last night. I read Investment News, Investment Advisor. You go to my house. I mean, I used to be good for two books a week, but I've run out of books. Yeah. I'm like you. And then yeah. sometimes you uh, just grasp for stuff to keep keeping your knowledge up and you hit the ground running here. And let's talk about the journey a little bit. So, you know, you break through and, and I look at you today and one of the top advisors in the whole industry in all the different disciplines, right? Uh, we'll talk about the books that you've just written. You know, you did a radio show for a long time. You've educated, you've been speaking at major corporations pretty much since a year into the business. Sure. Yeah. And what were some of the challenges that you hit along the way? And, you know, you're resilient, you outwork anybody, but I'm sure you hit some. Do you remember any of them? Or was there any points where you said, oh my God, if I do this, I'm going to break through? Like, share that. You know, I think that this is a bunch of paradox. One that has to do with your wife is great. So I just had my second baby and I bought a house I couldn't afford, of course, because I needed more room. <laughs> and, you know, I had a special child. So I had a herd of nannies and therapists in my house. So, I need a bigger house. Then I got it. 
And um, the basement, it just starts flooding. So now I got to take time off. I got to deal with my basement and it's nasty. So I'm putting kills on the walls. You know that it's oil-based paint in a basement. It's not the best thing. It's probably why I'm a little loopy today still. It's like huffing paint, right? And so I come in here and, you, and Mindy sees me and Mindy says, Mike, why are you looking? Why are you so sad? And I showed her my pay stub. She's like, oh, we got to fix that. <laughs> we got to fix it. It was summertime, second yep. year. You know, I'd had to take some time off for the, for the family and stuff like that. So there have been challenges. But I think the normal thing you want to look at is the paradox of this business is you have to, you have to live radically in the present, but you have to be focused on the future at the same time. So it's like baseball, which we both played. You did a little bit better than me, let's, but, but, but you understand all you got is that at bat, right? You, you don't have that at bat. You got the next pitch is what you have. You got the next yep. pitch, but at the same time, you got to learn from the last at bat, but or the last game or yep. the last season you pick, but you can't dwell on it. And you got to think about the future yep. and have a goal, but you can't be so future oriented that you forget to suit up for the, for the game. So that's one paradox. Another paradox that's right at the heart of our business is you have to really care because it's so important to care. You got to learn how to fake it, but you can't fake it. So you actually have to really care yep. and clients can tell if you really care, but at the same time, you have to not care because otherwise your heart will get broken and you'll, you yep. know, you'll be the sucker. So you, so you have to kind of, you, you have to keep these things in mind. So, you know, but if you set reasonable goals, you diligently work and track towards those goals, you're going to hit those goals and anything that somebody else has done you can do if you, the, the, the world works. Yeah. There's luck and yeah, there's good luck and there's bad luck. And we've all had both of those. But if you do the same thing, successful people do, you'll be successful in an industry like this. This is not inventing the iPod here, folks. This is like, just figure out what the goal is. Go look at somebody that's doing it and mimic them. You will get the same results over time. It will happen. And so that's what I did. And I set five-year goals. I hit them. I set 10-year goals. I hit them. And, um, and it's just been a wonderful ride. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, you think about certain people in life that are in careers or in sports that they needed discipline or they're playing an instrument or they're a 4.0 student that just outworks everybody. You find that they do really well if they apply that in the right career. Right. And you were in the right career and you applied those principles. You know, I think that my dad used to say to me, he say, listen, everyone puts their pants on the same way you do one leg at a time. So you can have anything you want if you apply those discipline and right. stay focused on it. Our career is not complicated. It's just difficult. It's just difficult. And what I've seen over and over and over again, and don't fall in this trap if you're in this career, getting in this career, is I see people try to make the career easy by making it complicated. It's the biggest trap, right? Yeah. The Goya principle. Get off your, you know what A stands for. Yeah. That's all it takes. Now, not every career is like that. Part of the reason I got out of the writing career. Writing is not like that. Writing, you could be a great writer and you could make nothing. And you could be a mediocre writer. You could have the right lunch in New York City and then you could shoot to the top. It's more of a more of a winner take all type of career. That's like right. acting. Right. That's like music. Those are not careers where if you just do everything you're supposed to do, you're going to end up at the top. But financial services is yep. it absolutely is. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And it's interesting. You reminded me of um, this year at our firm kickoff meeting, I shared a principle that I've been using for a while. I call it the 510 rule. And the 510 rule is what you talked about. The future is if you have five minutes in between a meeting or 
once a time a day or any point, spend five minutes on thinking about where you want to be in 10 years and what principles you're, are you applying them today to get you there? Because I find like people maybe think about the future sometimes, but they don't spend any time preparing for the future right then. So when you think about that, you've done that your whole career. Yeah, you have to have the steps to get there. I mean, early on, we talk about the the influences, but, you know, readers are leaders. And most people don't read anything. They don't think anything. They they just sit around and, you know, consume, you know, noise and garbage, like intellectual junk food. And if you go back, you just start with the good stuff. And if you start with the good stuff, Ben Franklin's biography, not his autobiography, his actual biography. Because if you understand Franklin, then you understand Carnegie. Because Carnegie just took Franklin. And then if you understand Carnegie, you understand Napoleon Hill, yep. right? And then what you know that you need to do is just start visualizing, set goals, but make real plans to get there. Be a meaningful, specific, not a wandering generality. What is it you want? Go get it. You might not get it exactly when you want it, but you will get it. So that's another thing. Be careful what you want. Yes. And then go read the other. The Bible It's fantastic. Seven Habits, Highly Successful People. Read it till you have it memorized. You know, read it twice. It's like you say, I think it was either Rodney Dangerfield or my dad, kind of the same thing in a baseball game. They're like, hey, 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 I want you to bring a pitcher of beer here every half inning until one of us passes out and then just bring him every inning. <laughs> right? Like read it until you got to memorize it. Read it three times a year until you got to memorize it and then just read it once a year. But just for everybody listening right now, this is real. Like Mike is not just saying this, he lives this. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting for many years, I used to say a quote, a quote was um, the books you, in the next five years, nothing will change in your life except for the books you read or the people you meet. Yep. And I thought it was my quote, but I learned many years later that it was Dale Carnegie that said is that. Is that Dale Carnegie? Yeah. Yeah. It's Dale well, Carnegie. Hey, 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 nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. I say, if you're stealing yep. from me, you're stealing twice. So yes. just, you, yeah, you're so, stealing from me, you're stealing twice. So I used to be saying it and then I'm like, I read it one day, yeah. maybe went back and read one of his books and I'm like, oh man, that's uh, not me. It's okay. I once said, you know, four score years and seven years ago and I thought I was making it up and that's like, oh, that was Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so uh, what the heck? Well, I let's, went to school that day. Well, let's switch gears. Sure. I mean, you know, you do this radio show, you start to build this amazing following. You have a, an amazing clientele that, you know, listen to you and they're executing on what your plans are and, and they're getting this great financial life. And you think of our mission, right, is to impact, that, impact as many lives as possible. You're doing that in every way, speaking, you're giving back so much. And then like three years ago, I think it was, you have this inspiration or maybe four to write a book and you write your first book. And let me make sure I get the name uh, correct. It's keep it simple, make it big money management for a meaningful life. And you write it. What was the inspiration for that? And, you know, I know you're a writer and you probably do this stuff in your sleep, but talk about it. What made you do it? Actually, my last book I wrote at a resort, all inclusive. <laughs> and yeah, well, I wrote the draft. It's in the. I can. remember you it's told a, me that and it's coming back. So, so this book, you'll like this story. You, you play a part in it, although you might not remember. So, you, this book was actually written the draft of it in about two thousand and five because we had this thing called financial strategy for success for retirement. Remember? Yeah, sure. Okay, and back in the day, we knew we were losing it, right? And so I came to you and said, Paul, look, I'll write the program, yeah. and then we'll own it. And we sell it. So I wrote it. I literally wrote yeah, it. Yeah, I remember. Okay, here's the problem. MetLife was a broker dealer back in those days. And they said, if we approve, we own it. And so then yep. we said, we can't do that. Like, that's not going to happen. Correct. So that just went in my desk drawer. And for some reason, if you come to my office, it doesn't happen often. But I was cleaning my office when I pulled that out. 
Now, it was written for a presentation, so it wasn't filled with narrative. But I'm like, this is good. Soup to nuts financial planning. What should you do? And I believe keep it simple, make it big. Jerry Garcia said that. It's a grateful dead quote. And uh, sure enough, I said, well, let's turn this into a book. So I did. And so I then I revisited it back, you know, 15 years later or whatever. And I put it into book form. Which and so amazing. it was Soup the Nuts book. Good book. And I figured, well, that then I can cut that back up into my future books. And then your latest that came out recently was It's All About Income, The Simple System for a Big Retirement. And before you go, it's interesting. In the, in the early 2000s, there was a book that came out. I remember it was a blue cover called The Number. And the number was about when you're retiring, you need this big pile of money. Right? But it never gave you the number. That was a Correct. great thing about that book. <laughs> yes, right? they never gave the number. Because yeah, it was written by the guy, editor of Esquire Magazine. He's a great writer, but probably not such a great financial thinker. Yeah. And and by the way, and that number's particular to each person, right? Yep. And yep. then all of a sudden here at our firm, we, we decided to really talk about income more and we made that income play. So now, you know, 15, 18 years later, you write this book. So what's the genesis? I know I could understand that you piggybacked off the first one, but what's the genesis behind it? Well, it's a couple it? things. I mean, it's a system that we use to get people retired. And personal finance, again, is everything's built on paradoxes. So one of the big paradoxes is that wealth is considered principal, but we live on income, right? We live on income. So if you said, well, I got a million dollars, I'm wealthy. But yeah, if it's only generating, if it's in the bank and generating 2000 a year, you know, you're not using it, right? So one paradox is we worry about the principle, we live on income. Second paradox is nobody wants to make their kids rich. Like they can have what's left, but they're not living to transfer money. Sorry, I know the insurance people listening, you think it's true. It ain't, no ass people. They're not, they don't care, right? So if they don't want all this money piled up when they're gone, what are they worried about using it for now? But they do because of the security blanket of that. The third principle, so what they think is they miss, they, they get what I call principal myopia. They worry about the value of their principal rather than worrying about the level of their income. Yep. And so they define wealth wrong. They define loss wrong. They define gains wrong. And what it, the, the net result of all of this is they keep working. They don't retire. When they retire, they don't live the life that they could live, maybe that they want to live. Now, there's other paradoxes. And one's that is for middle-class people, that's middle-class people or formerly members of the middle-class, the habits that make middle-class people financially successful, saving, investing, deferring gratification, prevents them from being enjoying the success they have. Well, yeah, and I yeah. think that's, um, that's a big change in life, right? When you think through all these years, you've been taught this. So, yeah. so talk about so, that, so, putting so, that in practice. Yeah. Though. So basically back on just finishing the book. So what it is, a series of stories, real stories. A woman came into my office here. Uh, it was 2008, 2009. The great recession happened. She had worked her whole life in Bridgeport factory. She had a couple thousand in social security and she had a half million dollars at the bank. One of the local banks recently been renamed. And prior to the financial crisis, she was getting 2000 a month after the financial crisis because of the repression of the Federal Reserve and wanted to transfer money to wealthy instead of working class people. Um, she was getting 2000 a year. So she had just as much wealth as she had prior. Yep. It was all safe. But not income. But her life was a disaster. And it, I don't know what happened. You know, she needed to invest it. She wouldn't. And um, such is life. But But yes. And so it's a series of stories that really allow people to figure out how much income they can generate off of their money safely, never run out, always know there's going to be another dollar there for them in the future. 
and using the array of, you know, financial products that are out there, money markets, reserves, stock, bonds, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, annuities, fixed annuities, pensions, the whole gamut of options that are there. So, so it's, it's got, it's selling well and it's gotten good reception. It's also, by the way, a free video course. So I got a course on my website, keep it simple and big.com where I turned the book into an online course and it's a uh, spoken word too. It's great. And uh, thank you for doing that because I think what you're talking about, yes, if you meet a financial advisor that gets it, you're doing, you're, they're doing this type of planning, but not all do. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to switch that paradigm switch with the clients and get them to see that. And that's not as easy as some people might, might think they are. So any, uh, any future plans on books? Yeah. So I'm finishing up one now. Well, I gotta, I gotta go back to it. I got 11 days at the all-inclusive resort in Mexico with one day off for fish and we got the draft done and that's going to be, uh, it's all about, uh, don't waste your thirties and forties and you'll be riches. No, don't waste your twenties and thirties and you'll be fully wealthy in your fifties, sixties. So that's all about getting going. And then from there, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I got a five book contract. And so then I'm going to go do because, you know, I work with the nurses, Yale New Haven Health System, a lot of financial. And so I'm going to do a nurse's guide to retirement and I got all the benefits and stuff. So we're going to customize it now for them so they can really take that and run with it. I'm going to do a nurse's guide to getting going. So that's the young book, you know, how you start out a move. Yep. And then I'm going to do a book, Don't Give It All to Government. So that's a joyful book, you know, dismemberment that there ain't no good way to get old, but hopefully we all do it. So how do we make sure it goes, you know. We don't blow it at the end. We don't well, blow it's it exciting. And make sure you guys go on and check out the stuff on the website, check out the book, you know, really good stuff, Mike. And I appreciate you giving back when, in doing that stuff and in between running your practice. So um, it's interesting when you said the twenties and thirties, I don't know if you'll put stories in there, but I remember I start in this business. I go home to my mom who was one of those people that save, save, save yep. lower middle class. You know, they, I never, af after I did my first meeting with them, I didn't even know how we lived. Right. But they did. And we lived a good life. And oh yeah. I was really impressed. And I come home and I go, uh, by the way, I got this 401k and I get a match from the company and she goes, Oh, that's awesome. Make sure you sign up immediately. So I'm not signing up, mom. I'm trying to save to buy a house. And she said, listen to me, you're going to put in 50 bucks a week. And if you do that today in your twenties, just understand what it's going to be. And, and she gave me that discipline and said, you make a little bit more, put a little more. And guess what? That was the start of the journey for me being that disciplined saver mm -hmm. and, you know, understanding that. So when the book comes out in the twenties and thirties, if you're on this call, make sure you listen to Mike, you know, so really, really awesome. Um, so I think I know the answer here, but two things. One is what's your why today? Is it different than your why was when you started? And, you know, what is it? Well, what do you, you say? Do you think you know the answer? What do you think my why is? I think it is what you just said. I think it's to um, impact people, but also take the time to enjoy the journey that you're on uh, personally and, and really live a life. And at the same time, impact lives. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You got my why. Like, I don't have a big, big why. I ain't trying to, like I said, make the iPod. I ain't trying to change the world. I'm just trying to have a good time and do a good job as I go through this world. And um, I do what I like. This is my third career. It's my last career. I knew it was going to be when I got it. 
my vocation's always been my vocation. I like to work. Um, you know, I got my truck license back. You know that. Right. So I'm I'm the great reserve CDL army. Now I actually switch it to Florida truck license too. So the next disaster, I'm gonna be hauling hauling goods around, right? <laughs> but yeah, no, my wise is it, it's just to keep having an impact. I love it. You know, this career you get to do well by doing good. We have six employees, we have a great team, everybody works well. This is one that, you know, I have a Lisa working now. She's been we've been together 17 years. And I never thought that I would care about this because I'm not a coach. I'm a player. I'm not a coach. Definitely not a coach. You guys that love coaches, I never figured out why they don't do, what, what do they do, right? Like, I, I don't like, it's not my thing. Yeah. But when I watch her on calls working with people, you know, you I got them. this pride that I was like, wait, where did that come from? Where did that come from? So it's nice. It can be intergenerational. I mean, I'm 53, so I'm going to probably keep going until about 70. And then I got the what we call in the business G2, G3 for people not in business. That just means the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You want to make sure that you have continuity. And we do. We have a lot of clients that are three generations now. I mean, last year. We did 44 new clients last year without even trying. Like, you know, it's just referrals are just flying in and it's kids and it's grandkids and it's parents and it's aunts and it's uncles. And so it, it's it's a nice thing to see that. And it's, a you know, and that's possible from Barnum, by the way. Like, we haven't talked a lot about Barnum and what offers here. And I appreciate that. But this place is special. And thank you. the, the people that make it, you know, it, there's so many great role models. You should also ask is, well, how is it you know how to get where you want to go? And what I will say is pick somebody that you want to be and then emulate that. We kind of said it before. So for me, I liked Rick Edelman. I knew Rick Edelman from DC. I knew his firm. I liked his philosophy. And so that's what I did. I did Rick Edelman, not big because he's yeah. big. He wants to, he doesn't have kids. He doesn't have a family. He wants to remake the whole world. Good for him. I did him on a small scale give middle-class people great advice and charge them reasonable fees for it and charge the fees every year and you're good. And, and so that, that was that. The other one is, you know, in this firm back in the day, Paul Salerno, right. We'll honor a man from the past, yeah. right. Because we, we lost Paul, but I remember watching him and I working with him and learning from him and being okay. Uh, you know, that's, that's how you do it. You invest in the business, you be smart, you treat people well. Um, and so today, like our firm has so many fantastic role models for people coming in, you know, Jimmy Ian, Andrew Wigzell, Brooke Horrigan, uh, you know, you know, I'm going to, you start naming names and you're going to miss them. And, yep. you know, Benny Sacadato, like so many great, great people. And so, uh, it, this is a very, very special place. You're allowed to do what you want to do. There's never a pressure, you know, you, it wouldn't work well if you pressured me to do anything. Right. But there never was. You didn't know that at first. Then oh, no. we could get it. We can do what we feel is going to be best for clients. We have every tool available, every tool available. And that's what a real fiduciary is. And it's fantastic. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And I think that as much as you said, I wasn't a coach, but you mentored and you've, and you're still mentoring from afar, right? And you have a unique way how you approach it. So what we always teach people is steal a little from this, steal a little mm -hmm. from that and make it your own. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've done. And you've done it not only from people you, cause you see it and you read it and you apply it all together. And that's how you've built this amazing practice. You know, we just had our award banquet the other night and I said, the best is yet to come. We're just beginning. And I really believe that. And I believe that what you said earlier and make sure you're all listening, right? Have a vision have some goals. I, I've changed my word from goals to commitments, right? So have commitments and guess what happens? You build something amazing, you know? So 
let's think about this. So I'm coming into the business brand new. Yep. You know, you kind of said it in the beginning, but give them some advice. What would be the first thing you would do? Somebody is brand new, brand new, brand new. Do what I tried to do. And unfortunately I couldn't do it. They didn't hire me. And that made me really rich because they would have hired me. I wouldn't be as good as I am now, but I would hook up with the team and learn it from the bottom. Yep. I have a CFP right now working for me. Just graduated master's in uh, economics from Clemson. And he was hourly. He's in South Carolina because we're global now. We're yep. bad. We're nationwide. We're like ZZ top. <laughs> he started with paperwork. I'm like, that's the best place to start. Yep. Figure that out. Now he's running through my financial planning department. Figure that out. Right. Then memorize your scripts. We had to memorize scripts. Yep. Memorize your scripts. Right. It's like the reason why you sound smart. Direct quote from Brooke Shields. Don't smoke because smoking when you die, you might die. And when you die, you lose a very important part of your life. Now, she might be smart. She might not. But in the movies, she's smart because she's got a script, right? So then with the script, you already know what you're going to say. So you can actually focus on the client. The only way to live an unscripted life is to have a script. That's another paradox. There's, everything's built on it. So get somebody, tie in, give it some time, learn the business from the bottom because that's the way to go. But also know what you want to do. If I want to be a deer hunter and I'm getting trained on a fishing boat, I'm not going to actually be a deer hunter, right? So make sure that you're making progress what your ultimate goal is because we're all a cog in somebody else's machine. And then we're also all our own machine. So figure out what you want to be and move in that direction, but don't overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in five. You'll get there. And this place is great because at Barnum, you can figure out what you want. I'm a carpenter with a hammer in my hand. I don't want to run a financial planning practice. I want to be a financial planner. And as a result, I have six employees. Yep. I have people that run my practice for me. I do one hour call a week and the whole thing runs. Yep. And I spend my time calling clients, talking to clients, being entertaining clients, reading and writing and speaking. And that's it. Mike is, uh, as we talk about and we teach financial doctor and he has everyone else around him helping him with the infrastructure. And the cool thing about it is I've watched and I try to teach this to planners all the time is don't ever get crushed by the weight of your practice. Right. So add before when you're thinking you need to add, you're already late. That's right. And, Absolutely. And, and I remember all of uh, Mike mentioned a bunch of people earlier, all of you coming on and saying, all right, you just got to hear, you got to hire this person and that person and keep building and going. So let's end on that, Mike. So you build this infrastructure, build this model. Do you think the business is going to shift or do you feel that if, you know, you said 70, let's just say 10 more years, you're going down this trajectory, where do you think it's going? And is there any adjustment you're going to make to your practice? It sounds like you're training someone to come on and maybe be in the field with you a little bit more than you have today. Yeah. But what are you, what are you thinking? Well, you know, it's always, I'll go back to poetry or lyrics, same thing. There's not much difference between the man I want to be and the man I already am. So uh, I ain't looking to change or adjust. And I haven't in 20 years. I run the same business. I used to same script. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. It works. It's a good formula. But I think the, in, the industry, of course, is going to evolve. The, but, but the financial advice. So you got the financial services industry, which is the manufacturing part of it, which is the companies that we use. But the financial advice industry is separate from that. So the way to think about it, again, use a physical analogy. You know, I'm a general contractor. And as a general contractor, my client is a person whose house I'm building. 
And it's my job to know what's on the shelf at Home Depot and how to use it. Great analogy. But it's not my job. I do not work for the lumber company. And if one lumber company goes tits up, there's plenty of others. That's yep. right. And so I think the financial service industry itself has a lot of problems. I think there's blowups coming. I think the low interest rates that, that, that I think what we saw with the SVB bank is coming to a hedge fund owned insurance company near you with a big operation in Bermuda. Um, don't know which one, but I expect it to happen. So I think the industry is going to have some issues, but I think the advice industry, me building the house for my clients is rock solid for the end. And it's my job to make sure that all the materials that get used in that house are good, solid materials. Love it. And we never have to go back and, and we never have to go back to them and say, well, sorry about that PVs. You know, your foundation is bad. So, uh, so you got a problem and uh, you know, the legal department will be in touch. So, and that's what you taught us here at Barnum. That's why we have the open architecture and that's great. So, so I think the general advice business is as good as it's ever going to be. I think it's a boutique business. It doesn't scale. There's no competition. Just like you can't be scaled, Paul, what you've created at Barnum can't be scaled. It can't be scaled. You could go teach other people how to do it. You teach them how to do it. They don't do it, right? And they can't be you. You have a great like combination of, of vision and actually caring and, and, and all kinds of stuff. All this whole factor is the same thing with us individual advisors and our clients. We, we, it's, not, it's not something that scales and it doesn't even scale like, it doesn't even scale like consulting does. Like I had a client at Bain, you know, he's got 50 people working for him. He's more 50 people. You can't have 50 advisors working for me. No. Right. Cause if they're any good, they're going to go be me. They want, they'll want it. And if they yes. want to stay working for me and do what I say, they're not going to be any good. So the future is so bright for the actual advice side of the business where we get paid fees to give advice. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And you know, it's interesting. I, I find myself saying the same thing over and over again, that it just keeps getting better. It does. For the right person and for the right disciplines and yeah. the right stuff. So when I look at today, you know, and this, uh, this episode with Mike, I, I want to just make sure we go backwards a little bit to just say like, he came in, he followed his vision and his dream. He applied all the principles he kept learning. And then 20 years later, he has this amazing practice and the coolest part is that you're having fun. You're impacting so many lives. And I love it. You know, when you think about some of the things you've done in your career where I say, yes, it helped you grow, but you gave back mm -hmm. teaching, you gave back and, and you got clients on the radio. But now, you know, you were always a reader. You put it in written form. You have free stuff that people can go on and grab. They can learn. And, and by the way, if they want to execute with someone else, you're just impacting them. You don't even know who you're impacting. Yeah. And someone's going to be retired like you one day in Florida and saying, you know, I read Mike Lynch's book and it changed the course of where I was going. So I can't thank you enough. I, I felt when uh, starting out as an advisor, my biggest challenge coming into this role, as you said, coach or, you know, CEO today was that I wasn't going to hit work with the the user, meaning yeah, the sure, client sure. as much, but yeah. I always told, and I always teach that I get to impact two people's lives now, right? My advisors and associates, and then I get them to carry that on my mission to the client. So I can't thank you enough for everything you do. Mike. No, and it's, it's, it's same. It's just put a little couple things back in the pot before we finish up. So one, it's fun. When I was starting out, you talk about the stresses, there's always stresses because you're worried about where your next checks come. I tell you that mini yep. story, which is great. We were all there back in the day. 
And I remember I go to these conferences and I see these guys and, you know, they were in their fifties and a little bit bald or a lot <laughs> bald. They were a little bit fat. A lot of them had tans and, you know, I'm struggling, right? This is, I'm trying to get my next deal. I'm worried about, it. I got kids I can't afford. I got a wife's cranky, you know, the whole night. And I'm like, man, those guys, I think they got good lives. I think they got good lives. They look like they spend a little bit of time fishing on the water. They don't look too stressed. They got a big practice. And, you know, I was right. Cause now I'm that guy. I'm a little bit fat. <laughs> I'm a little bit tan. Right. I'm sitting and I don't have any of those worries that I used to have. And because I have a great team, Sarah, Gret, Tom, Steve, Joe, Alisa, because I have that, all those other stressors aren't mine either because I'm smart enough to pay for it. But I would say the same thing about you, Paul, like the, the nice thing, you're a fantastic leader because you've stayed close to the business. Thank you. You know, I don't like big companies. You know, I don't trust them. You know, I think they're largely run by people with good political skills that can survive the way up to top. And so I look at them very skeptically and, and very carefully. Right. And so when you see the communication stuff that comes from them, it's clear a lot of times they have no idea what it is we actually do with the clients. Like how is it that it actually happens? Right. Here's how it, you know how it actually happens. And that's why you can support us. And now that's why you can be such a great leader. And that's why you can provide us with so many great resources that we can access for our clients. And, you know, like I say, help them do what they want to do with their lives and protect them along the way. Because our job is to protect them and serve them to get where they want to go. It's their ends, their lives, their means. And you do that for us and we do that for them. And uh, we really appreciate what you do. All right. Thank you, Mike. And uh, make sure you guys pick up one of Mike's books or both of them. Keep it simple and make it big. And then the latest one is it's all about income. Thank you for today, Mike. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all you do for everyone out there that you're impacting. No, appreciate it. It's a, it's my pleasure, Paul. It's been a great ride. And I hope, I hope we're just halfway through here. We are. I hope, we're, I, hope we're, I hope we're at the 50 yard line. I hope so. When you said 70, I was really excited. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at Small Steps, Big Wins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.